All right, welcome into another edition of the Canes Inside Podcast here at the FRM Studios. I'm your host, Peter Ariz, alongside D-Money. Canes are 1-0 now, D, in the Mario Cristobal era. Good win last weekend over Bethune-Cookman, Southern Miss uh, this next week. So what are your thoughts from last weekend? Bethune-Cookman, so there's only so much you can read into it. The big takeaway, no one got hurt. You know, I know I was having a heart attack when when Leonard Taylor got hurt. For me, it was when Clark went down. Jakai Clark went right. down. Yeah, yeah. So those were scary moments, but those guys are all right. Everybody's practicing. It sounds like everybody's gonna be good to go uh, for this week's game. So that's that's the number one takeaway. Uh, the other takeaway is just the the physicality on the offensive line, and it's Bethune. So there's a personnel advantage for Miami, but we've seen these games where Miami's not getting push against these subpar teams third and ones they're not getting i remember central michigan which is a better team than bethune but they could barely move them a couple years ago and that was a major red flag so to see dominance and not just with the first unit but the second unit even the third unit offensive line was great to see um we knew having you know having watched practice and having seen the spring and and having seen oregon we knew the offensive line was going to look different schematically but now actually seeing just how those guys get vertical, the pulling, the knocking guys out of gaps as opposed to just inside zone, inside zone, inside zone that we saw under Lashley. Um, we knew it was coming, but to see it was was pretty interesting uh, because it was such a, a striking change. So those are my two main takeaways just, just right off the top. Again, Bethune, but those two things stood out to me. I know it stood out to you. Well, no, I was going to ask you on the, the other side of the ball, you, you know, game one, but the the Twitter was was a little you know upset at the defense um, at times you know they were they were moving the chains is that any any cause for concern there in in, in your opinion Kevin Steele's a vet right. you know so you trust him he's not learning on the job this guy's been around so I don't think he's going to freak out or do anything too different um, he'll adjust so no major red flags there people were expecting maybe more sacks but. Some of that was schematic with Bethune. They didn't just drop back and throw it. You know, they're moving around. They knew they were going to have a tough time blocking. So you didn't see as many sacks. Um, if any position concerned me a little bit, it was defensive back. They were so good in camp. They were rough last year. Didn't exactly play like they practiced, whether it was, you know, DJ Ivy getting beat on slants and then missed tackle, Tyreek getting beat deep, um, some missed tackles from Avante. Uh, James Williams kind of having a slow start. I didn't love what I saw from that group, but again, it's early and we'll know more uh, with the test they get this week. A couple of things that stood out to me. Um, Keyshawn Smith looked really good in the return game. Um, had some juice for sure. I mean, we've talked about the receiver group. Obviously, what he showed was in the return game, um, but he was a guy who was pretty consistent last year. You're looking for for that consistency at the position. Um, excited to see what he can do moving forward. Obviously, you know, TVD had had a solid, solid day out there. I don't think they were going to show too much offensively. Restrepo did a lot of what we, you know, saw in, in camp from him. Um, but Jake Garcia, I think it was good to see him get out there and, you know, just in our conversations outside of, you know, now the podcast, decisiveness was the word that you used. Uh, I like what I saw from him out there. Yeah. And, if we're talking comparisons, and I'm not saying this guy's going to have the same career. Every time you make a comparison, they're like, oh, you're saying he's going to be a first-round pick and all that. I'm not saying all that. But in terms of who he reminds me of with his body language and the way he plays, I'd say Baker Mayfield. And I maybe didn't think that watching him in, in high school. But since he's gotten here, he's very quick. He's quick 
with his feet. He's quick with his release. He's quick with his decisions. The ball gets there quick. The offense moves quickly. It's just everything is quick. And that, that reminds me of Baker. Um, the, the, the pocket movement he showed on that long, that long pass to Skinner was unbelievable. I mean, he was about to get sacked, took a nice subtle move up in the pocket and then delivered the ball right on time. Uh, that was very encouraging to see. And we haven't seen Jake necessarily in a, in a tough ACC game or a real competitive environment. But if you go and look at all of his scrimmages, the spring games, um, the times he's gotten the game against a central Connecticut or in this game, he's completing like 75 to 80% of his pra- right. passes consistently. He's a guy that connects the dots and he's able to translate that so far. We'll see when it's a real tough opponent, but I'm very encouraged what you saw from him. TVD, same thing. I mean, there were not a lot of incomplete passes in this game. Um, and that's something that, yes, it's the opponent, but you saw that mm-hmm. in practice. You go to practice. TV. Reading with a tough catch. Oh, yeah. Uh, Reading is... The thing with Reading, you see him run. He's not the most fluid mover in the world. Ta- talent-wise, you know, is he just like a superstar right out the gate? No, but he's someone who tested very well in high school, four or five electronic. I think he jumped like 40 inches. He's big. And I'm a broken record, but I'm always saying that wide receiver is a work ethic position. Right. And look who started. Restrepo, who we know how he works. Redding, who since IMG has been one of the hardest workers around. Um, and Keyshawn Smith, who's done a, a really good job. You see his body. He's gotten a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, so that receiver position, the workers are the ones that are on the field. Are the some of the talented guys Going to the more talented guy is going to start taking the lead and 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 working themselves to compete, and you know who's going to make the plays. Maybe maybe those guys like a Redding or Restrepo have more talent that we're giving them credit for, and they're going right. to just emerge as those playmakers, and we won't even be talking about someone else emerging. Uh, that'll be interesting to watch. But yeah, happy to see Redding succeed because he's somebody that that really works hard. And then one more guy I think deserves a shout out is Thad Franklin. Um, you know. Obviously, with the with the situation at running back, he looks like he's going to have to take a much bigger role than maybe was anticipated before camp started. Uh, Parrish, I think there's been an understanding that they'd rely on him. Whether you know there was the situation with uh, you know with Citizen going down and and Cheney, and now you know Knighton missed last week, but I think he'll be good moving forward. Um, how about how about his performance the other day? I've always loved Thad Franklin his ability, his talent, the numbers he put up in high school were astronomical. I mean, against tough competition, breaking records, tons of carries, no problem. He's very, very talented. He's a basketball player. So he's coordinated. He's big. He's a natural runner. He reminds me of Frank Gore when he turned, you know, 34, 35. Um, Cause Frank Gore, when he lost some of his explosiveness, he still was very valuable because he never lost yardage ever. He would never lose yardage because he was so slippery. He didn't really take those clean hits. He just always find a way to get at least two and set you up in favorable down in distance. You know, he'd get three, three, four, five more consistently. So that reminds me that he's a little bigger than Frank Gore at, at that stage. Obviously, he's not Frank Gore as a, as a pure talent, um, but he does have talent and he's someone that can really run. And if you look at him again, he's kind of like Jake. You haven't seen him necessarily against the great competition, but when he plays, he produces yards and he has a high yards per carry. I think he's for his Kane's career. He's like seven or eight. Again, a lot of garbage time mixed in there, but right. you saw against FSU, he caught a pass and made a play last year. Uh, he helped to kind of ice the game against Virginia tech with some tough runs. So 
he's showing that he can do it. I wish he was 230 pounds, 235 pounds instead of 243 pounds, but you know that hopefully that weight helps him. He was dragging people on uh, on Saturday, so it'd be interesting to watch. So it was a win, um, you know, pretty much what you'd expect. Before we move on to next week, I think the only other thing to really highlight from the game would be uh, Mario after the uh, after the Cam Kitchens interception, lacing into the guys on the sideline. I mean, it was pretty nice to see that, right? Yeah, Camp Kitchens. We're going to talk to, to Coach Duasso a little later, one of his guys. I don't know if uh, – imagine Coach Duasso yelling at Cam like that if he, if he listened to him. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the respect that Mario commands. Camp Kitchens is not a, a knucklehead. He's right. one of the best character guys on the whole team. Obviously made a sensational play. But 15-yard penalty against Texas A&M, that can cost you a drive. So Mario's trying to correct that ahead of time and, and make sure that some of the bad habits, maybe the Manny Diaz era – you remember Manny Diaz last year had a spontaneous celebration points, which I don't know how you reward spontaneous behavior like that. That doesn't really seem to make that much sense. But uh, trying to reverse some of those bad habits, not because Mario doesn't like the dancing. He played on the teams that kind of invented that style, but he doesn't want a 15-yard penalty against right. Texas A&M on the road. So uh, that's it's important to knock it out now. That's what these couple games are for. So looking ahead to this week, Southern Miss comes into town, obviously a little bit of a tougher test than Bethune-Cookman. They're coming off a tough loss, four-overtime loss, I believe, against Liberty. Um, so that you know, a bit of a draining one for them. But, you know, they're coming in a bit, like I said, step up in competition, have have some skill talent here. And they're obviously, you were just talking about Frank Gore, Frank Gore Jr., um is southern miss's uh best player they you know do a whole bunch of different things with them obviously he's the running back but they have a super back position is what they call it where they play him at quarterback he threw a few touchdowns last year and had a 48 yard completion this last week he threw the ball four times so that's going to be probably a big part of you know kevin Steele's preparation with the defense this week have a, a few other guys have a receiver on the outside who should be a, a good test. You know, he talked about the, the, the defensive backs, the cornerbacks in specific, a guy, Jason Brownlee, who's got, you know, big physical receiver on the outside. Some teams have him as a draftable late draftable guy this year could, you know, obviously move himself up. This is a big opportunity for a guy like him. So again, another game you expect Miami to, to win pretty, pretty handily, but some some tests, some more tests across across the other side there. Absolutely, and this was not a great offense last year for Southern Miss. They seem improved, although the quarterback situation is still kind of dicey mm -hmm. with the injury uh, to their starting quarterback. But one thing that jumps out about last year with Southern Miss is they were last in the entire country in tackles for loss allowed, and and they gave away a lot of turnovers. They're again last in the country, mm -hmm. so. This is a defense that was built by Manny to be disruptive and to get a lot of takeaways. Obviously, that kind of dwindled as as his career came to a close. But Morrow certainly wants that aspect of Manny's defense to to come to come alive with the tackles for loss, the negative plays, and the turnovers. So last year had or last week he had three picks with Cam, James Williams, and Gilbert Frierson. Mm -hmm. Love to repeat that, maybe add to that this week with that that kind of turnover uh, production, and then also getting in the backfield with the Leonard Taylor, uh, Jared Harrison, Hunt, the, these really uh, twitchy, athletic defensive linemen to get in the backfield. Well, and we we talked about the defensive line group a lot during the first few podcasts that we did. Right, this is going to be another test. 
obviously Bethune, one of the things I, I believe it was Mesador who said today in the, in the, in the uh, media stuff was that they could have done a better job containing, right? It's going to be another test for them this week, you know, against Southern Miss. So besides that, what, who, you know, are there any players you're looking to, you know, to see them kind of take, whether it was someone you saw in fall camp that uh, didn't, you know, really get the ball if it was on offense or wasn't involved much defensively, who are some guys you're looking to step up? I would say linebacker is a spot I'm looking at because Chris Wall said all the right things. I think Corey Flagg won the player of the game because of how he, how he graded as far as internally. Um, but you could tell from his comments that he wants more speed there as he, as we go up in competition. And I think what was really telling was when he talked about getting Wesley Besaint on the field and getting him ready to go. Uh, Caleb Johnson's a guy, the UCLA transfer, who I thought was the best player in the scrimmages as far as linebackers. I know others who saw the scrimmages agreed, did not start, uh, played, had a, had a nice tackle on a, on a swing pass, um, but did not play as much as maybe some of us who saw him would have hoped. Mm. I think some of that is the playbook stuff. He wasn't here for spring, um, but... You'd expect his experience so to come into play at A&M. Yeah, I just... I would love for the faster linebackers. Chase Smith, somebody who on special teams was outstanding. He didn't play a lot with the defense, but Mario said they want to get him more involved in the defense. Right. Um, I'd love to see those guys get a little bit more burn against Southern Miss and and show what they can do because some of the speed issues at linebacker will be exposed as the competition gets elevated. It's funny you mentioned Chase Smith. Cam Harris, who we've had on the show, obviously, was was at the office today, and he was mentioning Chase as a guy who he thinks is really going to take that next step at a position that, you know, needs some playmakers to emerge. So I agree with you on that one uh, for sure. Is this, I mean, any worry about them looking ahead or you think that they're, you know, going to be ready to go? Well, it's a noon game. Right. It's going to be hot. It's going to be probably pretty, you know, hopefully Canes fans are listening. Go out there and support the team. I'll be there. Um, I know all of Coconut Grove is going to be out there for Frank Jr. and Gilbert playing on the on the field together. So, Yeah, two FRM guys. Um, it'll be a fun game to watch, certainly. I, I mean, I can't wait to watch it. But it, just the noon kickoff, it's not going to be the same atmosphere there was even last week. Good crowd think. last week. I, I wasn't there, but it, it looked like it. Yeah, and it was pretty loud, too. Yeah. Um, you know, I had the studio session in front of me. They were loud. They're singing a little too hard for Miley Cyrus and things like that. Their their taste in music is is bizarre. Um, but you know, it's it was a loud crowd, and we'll see if at least the energy can can be there for Southern Miss because there'll be some hardcore fans in the crowd. But I don't think it's going to be uh, an atmosphere that's going to energize the players. They need to be self motivated so to avoid the letdown and look ahead, which you're talking about. Should we get into some questions here? Uh... Let's do the it. end of the podcast as we've been doing. All right. So let me grab the first one here from Turnover Kane. Ja'Curry Brown looked like he was coming in during non-garbage time for some kind of gadget play, but was sent back because of a penalty. Do you see us using Ja'Curry for special pa- packages? And what do you think it would consist of? Yeah, that, that did happen. He came in with the starters. This was, I want to say it was in the third quarter. And there was like a procedure penalty and they just, they, they nixed the play, but he was ready to play again with the starters. TVD came out and he came in. Um, so that was not an accident. Uh, I'm a huge fan uh, when you have the right personnel of having a wildcat running quarterback, whatever you want to say, come on the field in short yardage. 
I know some people don't like it. I think if you have a good quarterback, he's going to be mature enough to not need the rhythm. Drew Brees can't would leave the field for Taysom Hill, come back and beat Drew Brees when he came back. Right. Didn't really matter. Uh, Van Dyke, I don't think you need to worry about his ego or anything like that. Um, but what I like about it is if you have a big, physical, athletic guy quarterback, you know, physical, he's got to be able to take the pounding. You now have an extra man because if a, let's say a short yardage and your quarterback just hands it off to a running back, no one has to worry about the quarterback. If it's like a, let's say a Tom Brady or whatever, it's not, he's not going to run it in that scenario. Right. So that's one, you really only, you lose, you have your five linemen and your skill guys and the quarterback's kind of a non-factor in that play. When you have a running quarterback who is a threat to, to get that short yardage gain, now you have an extra player to account for mm-hmm. um, and an extra blocker to block for that player or to, or an extra skill guy to, you know, occupy a defender. So that's what I like about the pass. That's why the Wildcat was so successful, but it was very much dictated by personnel. If you have a Taysom Hill, you can do it. If you have a Ronnie Brown who could throw a little bit, you can do it. You know, you have to have the right players to do it. You can't just do it with a Tate Martell like uh, Ohio State tried to do um, when they had Dwayne Haskins. Right. Jakari Brown is huge and he's physically big and physically mature. He's going to get bigger, but he's already pretty big. I'm not worried about the contact with him. Mm-hmm. Extremely athletic. At, and has a maturity about him emotionally and, and mentally. You know, you want him to play. He's not someone that you're nervous about necessarily. Right. And from those formations, not only do you have the numbers game to get that short yardage gain, but you also have the ability to hit explosive plays, which we need more explosive plays. So if you know they overcommit to the run, Jakari throws it well enough and certainly has enough arm strength that he can make plays down the field if the matchup presents itself. You saw Tim Tebow do that all the time at Florida. Yeah, with Chris Leak. Yeah. Right. So I would love to see that package. I think you will see that package. Is it going to be Texas A&M? You know, maybe it'll be more of a home game than a road game just to kind of get him, get him going. But yes, uh, as long as he's healthy, as long as he keeps doing the right things, I think you'll see him help us this year. Next one here from Canesfan93. And then the next question I ask will kind of, I think they kind of go hand in hand. But this one is, What's up with Avante getting so few snaps? So I don't have any information on this. I really don't. He did not play the first quarter. and was right there to start the second quarter. Typically, that's a discipline-related situation. Done nothing major, but you know, usually when you sit out a quarter, it's for something like that. Um, but I think what happened was, so he had this designated quarter to miss. And again, no information. This is just kind of an educated guess because I was watching him very closely because mm. he was – I mean, he was a starter or co-starter all of camp. It's not like the rotations that you saw right. in Bethune reflected how he was rotating in, in, in camp. So something happened. But when he came in, he missed a couple tackles. Just being reckless, going for the big hit, not rapping, being a little just reckless. And I think that caused him to to hit the bench um, and and watch from the sidelines. So hopefully a learning experience for Avante. We know the coaches love Avante. Everybody around the program that I've talked to even from the last regime, loves Avante as a person and a player. So I think just a little tough love because they know they're going to need him. He's a very, very talented player. I wouldn't read you know too much into it other than they're going to push him to be what he can be, which is an impact player for this team. Next one here from Seaway313. Should James Williams play linebacker? You know, this is always a hot topic. And I want James Williams to be James Williams. So just against Bethune, which you're not showing all the stuff you're going to necessarily show. If you look on third down, 
he is basically playing linebacker. That's why I don't get caught up so caught up in, you know, what position is he really playing? They're going to put the best 11 on the field and he's going to be one of them. Yeah, and he'll have two safeties behind him. He'll be lined up next to, you know, whoever the, the other linebacker is, let's say uh, Corey Flagg or Caleb, you know, one linebacker that's a, a true linebacker and then him right. right next to him. So he's basically a linebacker on third down. You saw him bring multiple pressures, um, which hopefully will lead to a big play because of his length and ability to to not just make the tackle, but jar the ball loose. Then he had an interception as well. I believe that was when he was playing safety, although I'm not sure. So he's going to do a lot of different stuff. He can line up and play man. I've seen him do well, it. Well, I mean, I, I'm i just looking at the ACC. Virginia has a receiver who's 6'7". Six, who's six, Lavelle, I believe Jones is his name. He had a touchdown this last weekend. Who who else is going to cover him on Miami? He's a 6'7". He's a receiver. He's not a tight end. So who are you going to put on him? Right. right? So I don't want to, like you said, I don't think you should really box him in. If he's going to have to play against the run, you know, more in a game, then that's, then that's what his role will be that game. Yeah, and you know you don't have that many six five inside linebackers either. Mm-hmm. So it's like people say, "Oh well, he's too big for." His body is unique, so you use him in unique ways. He grew up as a DB; that's kind of his comfort zone. Being between the tackles and in a ton of traffic with with that kind of length and and you know linebackers that are in the tr- in the in the box like that typically are going to be a squattier build, stronger build. Maybe they played running back in high school, you know that kind right. of body. You don't want necessarily him navigating through traffic with that length. It's just awkward. He can do it again on third down or however you want to use it, but to put him as just like, Hey, this is your inside linebacker. He's tall, man. That. He's tall. That's, that's, that's the difference, you know, hundred percent. Um, and then last one here, most important one from DTP pomade or just hairspray. Yeah. Just some Tresemme hairspray. Uh, when I was younger, I used to use Murray's beeswax. Um, but that would stay in your hair for about, you know, a week and a half. So I had to quit that. So yeah, just, uh, just some standard hairspray, uh, you know, obviously, uh, very important to the, to the image. So you gotta, gotta be consistent with it. I'll just put the hat on. Yeah, it's a good decision. (laughs) All right. So coming up next on the Canes Inside podcast, coach Jose Duasso coming on the show. The more things change, the more things stay the same. Canes wear still the number one spot for all your Canes needs, your South Florida sports teams needs. They got it all. They got the new Miami Knights jerseys coming in, all kinds of new gear coming in, uh, the new Adidas Ultra Boost. Everything you need to get ready for this season. You know, you've been working hard. Christmas is still a long way away. You got some money saved up. Blow it now. Buy some stuff. Get ready for the season. Look right. Everybody else is investing, invest in yourself, invest in your wardrobe. Look, no more of these old, ugly shirts from the 2014, 2016 when we lost a lot. New era, new gear, same old Canes wear, the best in the business for South Florida sports. Welcome back to the Canes Insight Podcast. Joined now by our guest, Jose Duasso, a guy who's been on the podcast uh, plenty of times before. Again, this is the re- mastered version of it so to speak so you guys now see him you've seen you've seen him before we've seen edits of him we've seen some decommitment notes recently uh but yeah there's a guy who has you know been a a seven on seven coach here in the south florida community the past five six years um you know and has has worked with a handful of guys on the miami team uh has some commits from the program uh for for this next recruiting class so 
excited to have you on, Jose. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me on, Pete and D Money. It's great to be uh, now in front of a camera with you too. We've been doing these for years. Yeah, you know, Pete mentioned it, the first decommitment note <laughs> in the history of seven on seven coaching. Uh, so, you know, I think we follow yeah, that man, up. I, I gotta I gotta let that the marketing know, man, with today's social media trends. Gotta let everybody know you're starting uh, up a new a new shop, and uh, we're actually starting up a new team with uh, my good friend Sean Casey at Raw Fit. Uh, we're gonna have Team Raw, based out of the gym, provide the kids uh, gym membership, meal plan service, tutoring, uh, just kind of take it to a whole another level, kind of mimic like baseball. Um, some of these elite baseball schools, like elite squad, and some of these teams like that that have turned it into kind of academies is kind of make it a one-stop shop for these kids to get prepared for the next level. Now, obviously, Canes fans, they love you now because a lot of your kids are starting to go to Miami. You're not forcing them anywhere, <laughs> but, you know, since the Josh Job debacle, you've uh, <laughs> redeemed yourself with a lot of fans. So people are interested to hear who you got on this next team, some top 24 guys. You know, what are we looking at on Team Raw? Uh, right now, I got a nice little core out of IMG with Des Ricks, Brandon Winton, and now Jaden Hardy, who just went back to Texas. Obviously, I have Anquan Fegans, who's Traquan Fegans' little brother. He's out of Alabama. That's kind of my core four right now. I got Ellis Robinson locked in. So it's it's really nice five guys that I have out there recruiting. Des, Jaden, and Brandon, and and new boy uh, Anquan Fegans especially uh, really are recruiting hard for us out there. They've been around me for years. Ellis is a new guy who's going to play with me this past uh, overtime trip, but he had a a, a slight little hiccup that he couldn't make on the trip with um, just getting healthy for the season. So it's exciting to see him. I've heard he's he's a hell of a prospect. Obviously, Desrix is the number one corner of the country. Ellis is the number two corner in the country. Um, they're they're both freaks. Des is as good as they come. Des could reclass tomorrow and probably play right away at some colleges. So Brandon Winton's a, is a basketball kid. Converted to football, had Division One offer, actually. I want to say it was West Virginia or South Carolina, one of those programs for basketball as a freshman, decided to become a receiver. And I think he's going to blow up this next offseason as a prospect. And Jaden Hardy is the money badger. The Yeah. Is it money badger? Yeah. Um, baby. There's all, all sorts of badgers. Yeah, there's all sorts of badgers. Muddy badger, money badger. Honey badger. Honey badger. There's, there's a bunch of guys. So. I call Jaden the money badger because he uh, he's good at social media. And with today's NIL generation, he, he could make a killing with his TikTok following. So he's the money badger. So uh, he, he's really helping us out and uh, recruiting in, in the state of Texas now. So we'll have it. Obviously, South Florida ties with some national flair to it. Seven on sevens turned into an AAU format of, of football. Um, it's a lot of fun. You have idiots like Jay Wimbro in the space that uh but it's all love in games it's a lot of shit talking they're good people over there but it's uh it's having nice to have the canes fans behind me so yeah and you know canes fans will be familiar at least with some of the players that you coach this last class we're talking about Jaden rashada robbie washington bobby washington you know multiple guys on the current team so you know let's start with um just a couple guys that you were around this year i want to talk to you about um, who really have been off to a hell of a start this season, and that'd be the Washington brothers. So being around them, kind of seeing how they operate, um, 
how do you describe their games and really their their personalities off and on the field? Fireworks, <laughs> just explosive, punch you in the mouth. They bark, but they bite at the same time. Um, you don't. They they back up what they say, <laughs> as you can see of Big Bob going viral lately. Um, we but, were at that game a couple weeks ago, and yeah. you were like ten rows behind me. And when he made that hit that went viral, what did I do? He <laughs> literally stood I, up and I turned stood around. Up and and I had like, my jaw drop. What, what was that? Yeah. Like the pop you heard? It, he's six foot two, pushing maybe even six three, two hundred and five, maybe two hundred and ten pounds, and he he has a weird way of running, but he just like he's so fast for his size that. I haven't seen someone that long, big that could move just zero to sixty like he does. It was way bigger than I than I realized. Honestly, yeah, he's he just and then like when he hits somebody that that wasn't his only big hit of the right. game. Like he just inflicts violence, like just punch you in the mouth, like and like you're talking about personality. He's like just that old Canes. Like I'm gonna punch you in the mouth, like from the other team. Like you want Bob. It, let's just say when if, if stuff gets dicey you want bob running behind you with his shirt off making sure he's going to protect everybody at all costs because he is an alpha male in terms of pass coverage you know you had you've had wesley basaith who we're going to talk about a little bit you have stan Quan clark also who's unbelievable in coverage i mean can, can bobby cover obviously seven on seven he's not hitting oh, people yeah, and the thing is he's just also so physical so like if you could get off his jam he's going to run with you he could run with a slot he could run with a tight end. He's very, very versatile. Um, I think he's really coming into his own game, especially now being down here in South Florida for like three years now, I want to say. Um, I think he's really it's really helped him being back down here in Miami. Obviously, Robbie last year, we saw what he did at Killian, what he does when the ball's in his hands. But like Bob, Bob's really benefited being back in South Florida in the sense of just being violent and fast, like especially helping his coverage skills with his speed and size. Like yeah. It's criminal that he's a three-star. Yeah, and obviously you talk about his brother, who is a four-star, Robbie Washington. You know, seeing him at the at the tryouts last year, he's got an edge to him. It seemed like from just watching in the in you know in the crowd. Uh, how would you describe kind of his competitive demeanor and what he brings to the field? Just like it's he's that in years past, he's that kid that Alabama comes and steals from us, goes up there, and you're just like, why? Like he's he's that type of talent at receiver. He's I'll put him in the same categories as the Devontae Smiths, Jerry Judy's. Like I'm talking about just explosive on a cut dime speed. He he could play the outside, he could play the inside, you could line him up really anywhere. Um, but he just and, and then the way he could accelerate for the ball when he's he's kinda tracking the ball when the ball's in the air, like he could accelerate and hit that extra gear for you. Something I think the schools lacked in some time. Um is that true just Travis Benjamin like type of speed out there in the sense of well, there there was Philip Dorset, but I think you know yeah, that, the, the one thing that, that stood out to me about Robbie too was his toughness. You know, he made that catch. Yeah, he got where lit he up, got he lit bounced up and, up and, right. and so it's not just up another 15 yards. It's the competitive nature when you use the word edge I, the toughness was something yeah, else. Yeah, like, like they're they're just both flat out dogs. Like they play the game with a chip on their shoulder, and 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 everybody knows it. Like when the ball's in Robbie's hands, he's gonna make a play, turn something into nothing. Um, they they legitimately are that stereotypical. Like I play football with a chip on my shoulder. 
Yeah, so we're starting with the Dade County guys, but you also coached Jaden Rashada all the way from Bay Area. Uh, how, what was that like pairing him with uh, Jalen Brown, Robbie Washington, and Jurion Dickey, who you also had? Well, yeah, it's just that deep ball connection between them is just was on another level, especially displayed in Dallas. Um, in, in uh, Vegas, we didn't have the best of outcomes, but in Dallas, you really got to see what Jaden could do with a guy like Robbie. Um, it was just mind blowing. Like their connection just had never thrown to each other, had never practiced. And I want to say Robbie probably scored. I want to say Jaden's first 10 throws, seven of them were deep ball touchdowns. Three or four of them were to Robbie being the first three, one and third pass going to Robbie. And it was just like, it was like the, his ball placement is just what's crazy about Rashada. Like, and the wind was blowing crazy. He knows how to take off on certain balls, like the speeds. Like, it's it's big league. Like, he makes big league throws. Lamar Miller was at that tournament. And he looked at me and he goes, he's making big league throws out there. Bay Area kid, obviously, you know, culturally, it's just a whole different world than Miami, you yeah, know, South Florida. He, how, how is that dynamic? He's just like that laid back, cool, like just the nicest kid you'll ever meet in your life. Uh, just loves his teammates, real good teammate, clicked instantly with our kids, which is really hard with South Florida guys. It, it's it's South Florida guys are uh, an interesting bunch no, of characters. No, you wouldn't say. Nah, like we got some interesting characters out here and he just instantly clicked with our guys and I, I could, I have nothing negative to say about the kid. It's He was a leader, came in instantly. He, he let his play do the talking and it boosted the team. He's uh He's a great, great, great kid off the field and on the on the field is he lets his ball his, his, the way he throws the ball do the talking you know obviously we're talking about recruits here but you guys you got some guys on the current team we were texting during the game the bethune cookman it was a nice day for your boys yeah so uh let's start with uh with gil man gilbert frierson some someone that man i remember you talking to me about him Hey, six years ago. Yeah, it's just he, more than that. Yeah, <laughs> I've been talking about Gilbert since he was in, in like the eighth grade. But he, uh, his IQ for the game's on another level. He just knows where the ball's always going to be. He can see things before they happen. I've said it before many times on this podcast. Gilbert could be asleep. You could wake him up, and he'll in a film session and tell you exactly what happened on the play before. He, he's got a photographic memory in the game of football, and it's just his brains are on another level. Like he's, he's going to make an incredible football coach one day if he ever decides to do that. Cause he's the smart, one of the smartest football players I've ever been around. He would be a great recruiter too. Yeah. Yeah. On top of that, like he would crush college football. He's an amazing recruiter. And, but he's, his, his IQ and his, like he just knows where he knows where other guys need to line up. He's it, Gilbert's great. And he's a great leader for the team. I know that like, obviously we're talking about guys I have on the team like Cam Kitchens speaks very highly of Gilbert, like being a big brother. He's told me like Gilbert looks out for these guys, him and DJ Ivy look out for these young guys real well. Being in the system, had numerous coaches like they, they'll call me and, and let me know like, hey, some of these younger guys need to get on it. Like it, it, they really look out for these kids. So you guys are smart players. I don't know, you know why they're listening to you about anything, but, uh, you know, camp kitchen is another one. You hear people say, like, I heard, you know, T Rob, he was recruiting him. He's like, this is the kind of guy that you want to marry your daughter kind of thing with camp kitchen. So what can you tell me about cam as far as personality and game? Obviously the beautiful has pick. a smile on his face or he's dancing. Like he's just like a, the happiest person in the world. 
just loves the game of football. I like to call him like Jaquan Johnson 2.0. I think he's a little bit faster than Quan. So that's a good thing because Quan's doing his thing as a special team guy in the league and all that. I think he'll have a very, very special future in this. Um, but yeah, his, it's just like he's like another Gilbert, just high IQ, seems to always be around the ball. His interception this weekend was obviously Gilbert had the pick six. But if you look at Cam's interception, like he made a crazy play on that ball. He covered so much ground. Mm-hmm. And like, and he's still not the fastest guy, but he, it's like, he knows geometry. Like he knows the angle that he needs to take. Like it's, it's, it's crazy watching Cam play football. He's, he's like a scientist out there. One guy I really enjoyed watching against Bethune because I think we're going to see a little, a little bit more of him in the weeks to come is, uh, is Wesley Besaint. So what can you tell yeah. me about him and, and how he fits in with all these other guys? Poppy's what you want to call your modern day linebacker. Let him fill out a little bit more in, in the system. Obviously he just got there, but he could cover like you, there's, I think a clip I remember sending to you when I first was just like, Oh, I need to grab this kid for seven on seven. I want to say it's a sophomore year against central and I'll send you the clip. Maybe you could post it here where he's covering a slot receiver who's one of these little shifty central Florida fast. He had a bunch of group of five offers receivers and he's going stride for stride with his kid on a seam. And you're just like, this is a six foot one, 185 pound linebacker. And as that's a sophomore going stride for stride with a slot wide receiver. So tells you what you need to know, like on a coverage standpoint, like he understands spacing, he understands his strength, but then he could also come down, and protect the run game at a very high level. Like he is a linebacker that this school hasn't seen in a, in a long time. He's, I would say that's, I think they have him listed behind Gilbert and couch and that kind of star hybrid safety linebacker role. Um, but I think you'll see him play all over the field. I think they're going to, this co- what this coaching staff's great about and what I've seen is they're not forcing a system. They're building systems around the guys they got. I think you've seen it. You've seen in mm-hmm. the games, you saw it in the Bethune game. Um, it, they have certain packages to highlight the certain strengths of certain players, which is really nice to see. We've seen you on Green Tree. They treat you like the president out there. <laughs> you know, you don't really dress up to get to go out there, but it's all Lululemon right. Lululemon down, head to toe. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best, most comfortable clothing line in the game. But uh, throwing some Chinatown market. You, you've seen the. You've seen some things that maybe our fans haven't seen, such as, you know, plans for facilities, just the whole presentation of this new era of Canes football. So without giving away anything you can't give away, you know, what have you seen from this regime, the the presentation to recruits that, uh, you know, that you could share with us that might be interesting. You, you've fans. seen it from golden to Rick to Diaz. To yeah, now man, so. Pete, Pete got me in the game. Actually, it's funny. Pete and I were at lunch one day at Barry's in the Grove. It's about like six, seven years ago, I was at Westminster. I had Tim Irvin, Tony Gator, Tobias Moss, Jordan Cronkright at the time. Just a bunch of really good skill guys. And he's like, why don't you start a seven-on-seven team? And right around the same time, Cooney got a job with Miami. So I got to thank Jesus because without Cooney leaving uh, down south, I would either have to have teamed up with him or I would have been dead in the water. But uh, Cooney leaving to Miami definitely gave me a great opportunity to start a team up at Barry's and and he gave me the idea. Yeah. It was like seven years ago. So it's wild that where we're at right now. That was around the golden era. And you introduced me to Matt Doherty, who's a good friend of mine and yours out at Arizona now doing some great things. Was able to look out big time, take a G7 out there who's going to be an absolute stud. 
but yeah, I've seen I've seen it from Al Golden to now. It's it's night and day. Um, I think when Coach Rick came in, there was a commitment to the program that I was actually also sitting next to Pete when he got the phone call that Mark Rick was our head coach and he broke the news on Twitter. And from there on, you saw a shift in a more seriousness to a program, a more SEC approach. I think, um, unfortunately for Manny, he took over Rick's thing and the resources didn't expand for a new head coach, which usually is like the demand for the head coach. So when Mario came in, it's that next step of just like you saw across the country all with Mel Tucker, Brian Kelly, Lincoln Riley, Brett Venables, that these guys got these big deals. There's a commitment to winning. I think the facilities that they're telling the recruits are going to be insane. I think you saw it with the the locker room they just did now. So just from recruiting and all that, it's I would say it's on a very SEC level, like in the sense of operations wise, they have a million minions in there. And that's what you see when you go to these SEC and even like the Ohio States, the Michigans of the world, like the big boy programs. I think you were about half a step behind with Manny in the sense of everything that you needed to a step on the back part. And now you have probably the best, if not top two, three recruiter in the industry and coach Cristobal. And you're going to have him up to modern day times. Coach Rick kind of got us there. And then now Mario just put shoved in all the chips and it looks like it's going to be a fun ride for the university of Miami in the sense of facilities. They got everything. Now they just got to win on the field. So it's plain and simple. We know he's going to recruit at a high level. He always has wherever he's gone. It, facts are facts. Just numbers don't lie. He's always had top recruiting classes. He's going to recruit well in South Florida, if not nationally. You, I think you're the one that said it. Um, how many blue chippers linemen that we had and how many Mario had signed before Mario had gotten here. It, it was a crazy number. And Mario was like 80% of the, of those, of, of those signees. So it just shows that I think now we're going to build the garage to put the, the cars in. So everything's going to fall in line. Just got to win. Yeah. We got a big one in a couple of weeks. You going to that? You coming with us, Texas and uh, I think I am. I think I am. Yeah, what was the other one? Well, I don't know, man. He's got the Texas a and pants on already. <laughs> <laughs> yes, last time we went on the road trip, you were talking about Malik Rozier. Did you tear ACL? I did that tear That was fresh ACL. off. Of, what was it, your third or fourth ACL? I think or? that was like the the third ACL. Fourth? I'm, I'm only one behind you then. Yeah, um, but that, 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 was, I, that was all blur. That was the liquid. <laughs> that was the LSU. I fell asleep during that game. Um, but those were, those were in my younger days. Uh, now I'm, I'm a mature adult. You are. You're a, a foodie. I'm a foodie. Pillar of the community. Pillar of the community. I got a lawyer girlfriend. That's right. It's awesome. Shout out. She won her first uh, her, her first hearing, right? Yeah, something like that. She's she's doing good. She's she's slowly climbing. So I'm in a good place. Absolutely. Well, we look forward to seeing what you do with Team Raw. Team Raw is going to be a lot of fun. Sean Casey's a good friend. He trains Tyree Kill, Eddie Jackson, Kyle Kuzma. He had Tyro Matthew in there. Um, he had a lot of the cane, a lot of your yeah, guys, right? Like during, he really helped me out. He really out, helped out the community during uh, COVID. That he did private set. And Sean's a guy that charges a very high premium to work out. Obviously, he trains a lot of NFL guys, a lot of top people in the community, and he was willing to do donate his time for free to train a lot of the guys in the program. And he uh, he really got Cam under his wing, Mello, Khalil, work out with him. 
T two was real close with him. You talk Camp Kitchens, Ramella Brinson. Yeah, so they, they live Brantley. at Sean's gym. He's he's got Andy Jean there all the time now. Uh, we, we Andy Jean saw the vision two years ago, and he's built different than any kid in South Florida. So, I mean, how much more structure can you provide to these guys in the off season when it I would comes say to the workouts and stuff like I, that? I think if you see on a national Central did their thing against IMG, which is great for South Florida football. <clears throat> it's giving us a better, a bigger platform, even though we have one of the biggest. But I would say in South Florida, <clears throat> and Central does probably the best job at it, is the weight room structure. I think uh, the weight room and strength and conditioning is a big issue right now in South Florida. Our guys are a lot smaller when it comes to getting to college. You, you go see, like, for example, I was FaceTiming Anquan Fegans. He plays for Thompson. They're the, the, the town over from Hoover. They've kind of taken over on the national standpoint, Thompson if you know anything. Big, yeah. yeah, Thompson, Alabama is a big feeder program in Alabama. Um, they're they're in Alabaster, about 45 minutes away from Tuscaloosa, but they're the guys. And they're literally a town over from Hoover. That's their rival. But I FaceTimed him, and he's like, oh, I'm at my facility, and that facility was nicer than FIU and, like, FAU's facility. And I was like, that's your high school facility? Like, Jesus Christ, obviously we know what we have with IMG. But like you, you go on these national circuits, and and these kids are built different. Don't get me wrong; our guys are still better than them. Like um, I'll take Day County, Broward County, South Florida over anything all day. But when it comes to being college ready on a on a body standpoint, our guys aren't there like the others across the country. And I'm hopefully able to bridge that gap with Sean. So we've already done it. We Andy's there religiously. His body's awesome, obviously. I'm not, but it's Andy's worth that thing. You could lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. We led Andy to water and he, he lived in that gym and he's physically a lot bigger than a lot of kids in South Florida in his class. So I, I think, uh, don't get me wrong, but I, American heritage, look in Broward, you have the private schools and it's, it's, it's no knock to these other programs. Northwestern does a fabulous job with their kids too. But the public school doesn't have the funding like with these Broward right. County private <clears throat> schools. Do you got heritage? Uh, you got heritage Aquinas and Shamanon that are private school programs. You got guys doing a great job at Dillard, but you really have the private school. They have more resources to get these kids college ready than some of these Day County public schools. Like Columbus, obviously has a mm -hmm. great weight room program. You're a Sea Pride guy, obviously. Belen, uh, I don't have much to say about, but. Columbus, obviously. Prepares. Finally, we can so we can team up on on the Belen stuff. He's, yeah, he's throwing Col enough shots lately. Throwing enough shots lately, but yeah, Columbus. When it comes to like the private school kids, just have better resources when it comes to the weight room, even school nutrition and all that. These kids are built a little different. That's what I'm trying to bridge, at least with what I have in in Roffit. There, it's a gym located right outside Little Haiti on 64th and Fourth. And he has the gym doors open to any kid that wants to come work out that plays with us. It's it's awesome. So it, it's a great resource to have for these kids. Um, and I love having you guys. Let me uh, talk about it a bit because Sean and I have something called Commitment 305 too within it where it helps the kids with tutoring. It, it's our nonprofit there. So we have an umbrella there of meal plan service, all that. So we're trying to take this stuff really to the next level. Thanks for coming on. Very low key. We thought we were going to see a hat ceremony or something along those lines after no, your, your latest nice. announcement. So let's stay tuned to social media yeah, for the, for the team I, uniforms, the color yeah, schemes, we're gonna, we're, we're, the we're, schedule, the yeah, roster. It's, it's, it's definitely going to be uh, – I've, I've looked at a lot of teams across the country. I had a vision board done about six years ago. Um, I got with uh, a buddy of mine named Joel Shapiro. He's a marketing whiz, graduated from UM. 
uh, marketing background and his roommate, Elijah, who's in the music industry and the three of us on, on the business standpoint, I've tried to build up this brand to help these kids, especially with NIL now, uh, having Joel is a very crucial point in building these kids' social media brands. Because if you could build their social media brands, that's what name, image, and likeliness is. If these kids are getting viral videos, I want to say we're in, we're definitely in over 30 million views as a team, like bare minimum last year. So if we're figuring out as a team how to kind of centralize this so we could help these kids build their platforms, it's, it's, it's going to be something different. And we've, I have my vision board about 85 to 90% done with it. There's about 10% that we're working on that I'll be able to do, but just looking at other, even seven on seven teams, see what they do and add it to our organization to make it the best. Why not? I like what other people are doing. If it's a wheel, let the wheel go around. You could add accessories to it, right? Nice rims. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every time I see you, I'm at work, you know, working hard for my family. You're posting pictures from private jets. You're eating Wagyu, you know, <laughs> Wagyu. How do you pronounce that? Wagyu, Wagyu. Wagyu. Yeah, you're on that Tom Brady stuff. Wagyu is where it's at. Oh yeah. No, no. We don't, we don't touch that. We're trying to live forever out here. <laughs> All right, host. Yeah, I'm not trying to eat mushrooms and uh, and beans casseroles for for the rest of my life. I'll eat some wagyu and some some nice amakasi sushi, bro. I know you'll have some fish with me. What a life! Yeah, you have. We yeah, can go seriously. to Mat, we can nice. hit Matsuri after this and go get that go to run special. Best bang for your book deal in town for man, some nigiri this guy's giving yeah. out all these free shout outs yeah man. Uh, no seriously oh, yeah. shout out to la camaronera my boy dave repping the hat great great pillar in the community best fish spot easily in miami definitely not on the healthy tip if you, well he, he does healthy now but do they pay you for any of this like do nah, they give you free food like just, what's the deal no nah, they're just good friends i don't know the free food that free, free food, food. <laughs> i think that might be a yes yeah obviously i i lost 160 pounds and gained about like 40 to 50 back so I got to get back on the on the treadmill, but the I do like to eat. Yes, I like to eat the finer things in life. I do have a good palate. All right, well, Big Pop, thanks for joining us. A pleasure. We'll get you back on, you know, sooner than later. Absolutely. Uh, we'll hop on. Uh, I'll, I'll have information. We'll be doing uh, events to get the community involved, definitely. Uh, rolling out, hopefully, by the end of October. And just some fundraising stuff to get the community involvement. Uh, we'll announce partnerships coming down the road with clothing brands, all that type of stuff. So it's, it's, we have a lot of cool stuff working for these kids and in the community and just trying to take the seven on seven to the next level, trying to overtime gave us an awesome platform and just trying to build off that. Awesome. All right, sir. Well, we'll see you around for sure. Appreciate you. Guys. Thank you, Jose. So the Canes have Southern Miss this week. Next week after that, obviously, have uh, Texas A&M. So we'll have a big episode coming your way, recapping this week's game and previewing A&M. Yeah, it's nice to talk about real football and real plays instead of just the abstract. So, uh, man, I'm, I'm juiced up, man. Southern Miss on a, on a noon hot Miami day. Can't ask for anything more. Kane's Inside Podcast here at the FRM Studios. Catch you next week, guys.